Welcome to the Giving Experience Podcast. This podcast is a journey into our hearts and souls to grow more connected with our maker and one another through the practice of generosity in all things. You'll hear stories of people that have been impacted on both sides of the giving experience. Join us in childlike wonder as we explore and become more present and aware of these miracles that saturate the world around us every day. We are your hosts, Chad Hauer and Brent Tayette. And we are so excited for you to be with us today. And today we are um, really going to do something a little bit different and deep dive into this concept of generosity. Brent, you want to take it from there? Yeah. So this is a podcast about generosity and breakthroughs where we see God saturating the world around us every day. And wanted to share a little bit about the principles of generosity. And you were talking to me the other day about a book that you've been reading. It was inspiring to you, and I think it teases out some of those principles that we'd love to have some conversation about. Yeah, absolutely. The book is written by Andy Stanley, and the name of it is Enemies of the Heart. And what Andy talks about in the book is we've got our physical hearts, right? Our heart is one of the most important physical organs that we have, right? There's, it's central. Yeah, it, it's very <laughs> central. And if it gets clogged, our whole life is at jeopardy, right? Yeah. It, bad things happen. My mother-in-law had to have her chest opened up because she had to have heart surgery and fix some things in there to allow her to live from a physical standpoint. And then there's this other heart that we have, which would be more like our spiritual heart and our spirit, if you will. While it's not a physical thing, there's some real similarities in it. And we talk about our hearts a lot. And when we talk about our emotional, spiritual heart, there's things that can do damage to it. Andy does a really good job of breaking that down for us in the book. And he talks about there's these four enemies of the heart, basically these things that can get clogged that can prevent us from being able to fully feel and live and connect with our maker. And they can cause a lot of damage. One of those four things is greed. And I thought how perfect for us to be able to really take some time to consider that and do some self-inspection around that mm-hmm. of how, how is greed coming into my life and clogging my heart, my spiritual heart, to be able to connect fully with my maker, with others around me, even with myself and be able to feel at a deep level. Yeah. And same idea of that center. When I think of our heart from a non-physiological standpoint, I think of it as the center of my being, right? And everything that pours out of that. Real quick before we dive into the greed, I'm just curious, what are the other three? The other three are guilt, anger, and jealousy. I like it. I mean, I don't like those things, but I like where he's going with it. So in greed, if we were going to do an audit of our heart, what are some ways that we do that? Or what are some tools that he talks about of ways that we can self-inspect our hearts? It's a really good question. And reading through the book, he talks about how greed is actually the sneakiest of all of them. Mm. Of all the enemies, greed is what is so easy to recognize in other people, but not recognize in our in our own hearts and in our own lives. And the reason being is there's so many ways that we can justify it and provide really good reason for the way we're feeling. I think about like growing up, I was a very generous child. And it's really interesting as I think of my lifetime, I was kind of reflecting over this, grew up at a Catholic school, St. Charles in Tacoma, Washington. And every year we would do this shoe liturgy. 
and we would be able to go through this process and collect shoes. I would save up my money all year and I would do $100 every year. Back at that time, I was able to buy a ton of shoes for needy kids with $100. Now you could get like one pair of tennis shoes. It's crazy. I would have boxes and boxes and boxes of all these brand new shoes for kids. And I did that every year, kindergarten through eighth grade. And it was so fun. I, I made the front page of the news. Well, I don't actually, I don't even remember. Maybe it was just, I made the news tribune and I created in my mind over these years that it was front page. <laughs> I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about that, I was like, was that really worthy of making the front page? Probably not. So I just had that, like, felt like it was natural generosity. And I was thinking about, is that just something that comes with being a kid? And I was like, no, I don't know that it does. Because as kids, we're also tend to be like mine, 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 right? As a kid, I had everything provided to me because I was really fortunate to have parents that, you know, provided for us. So I had a roof over my head. I had food and, and all of these things. And I felt I felt safe and secure in that. And that allowed me, I think, to be able to feel comfortable saving money up each year, doing whatever, you know, selling apples on the corner of the street or whatever, and be able to do these things. And as time goes on, I think of my life and I'm like, huh, as I've gotten older, have I become more generous or less generous? And I think I've become less generous as time goes on. And, and I think about it now, I think, oh, well, I've got a wife to care for and make sure that there's security there. I've got my kids to make sure that they're fed. And there's just a higher level of responsibility that I feel in this pressure. Like justified excuses? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, huh, I really need to think more about that. What Andy talks about in his book I'm going to read a little excerpt here. He says, The truth is, we've made it almost impossible to identify greed in our own lives. Unlike anger or guilt, greed hides behind several virtues. Greedy people are savers, and saving is a good thing. I can totally relate to that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm proud of myself for... I'm not greedy. I just save my money. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not saying that's you. I would. Greedy people are often planners, and planning is a good thing. Greedy people want to make sure their financial future is secure. And that's a good thing as well, right? Yeah. There's these things that we have to inspect and consider. He talks about how greed is easy to hide from ourselves, but the people around us know. Because although it may be difficult to spot greed in the mirror, it isn't difficult at all to see it in the people around us. In fact, we can identify it most instantly in someone else. He gives kind of a breakdown of mm. things that we can think about. Like, what are things that we look at that make us recognize it in other people? He says, greedy people talk a lot and worry a lot about money. I can hmm. relate to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I think of conversations my wife and I have on a regular basis, it's like, huh. Okay. So what can I be a little bit more aware of here? Greedy people are not cheerful givers. Greedy people are reluctant to share. Greedy people are poor losers. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> greedy people quibble over insignificant sums of money. Greedy people talk as if they have just enough to get by. And that's so ridiculous. Like, I can even relate to that. Like, in reality, I have so much more than I need to be able to get by. And yet, I can fall into that trap of like, oh, like, got to make sure, you yeah. know, I've got that security net, enough savings and that cushion. Well, what I hear you saying and Andy in that too is, it's hard to judge greed from the cover. Although, I would go even so far as to say, it's easy for me to spot greed when I hear someone talking. I think few circumstances I can think of where I look at someone and just judging the physical outward action, I go, well, that's greedy. Yeah. But I think in conversations, hearing about people, they're talking about money or talking about a trade-off of some sort, right? It's easy for me to judge, oh, you didn't make the generous decision there, right? Mm -hmm. 
this is my own interpretation of what, hearing what you're talking about is yeah. it's hard to spot because it's the heart and the motive or the hope behind the action. So I can plan my future. Yes, that's good. Mm-hmm. But is my hope based on that money and based on the solidarity of the plan or is my hope in knowing that God's ultimately in control and he's yeah. going to provide for me? Yeah, that's right on. So greedy people often create a culture of secrecy around them. Greedy people won't let you forget what they've done for you. Greedy people are reluctant to express gratitude. Greedy people aren't content with what they have. And greedy people attempt to control people with their money. So it's just something to be aware of like, okay, how does that affect me? How can I relate to those things? And Jesus gives this parable and he talks about how, you know, basically this farmer was farming and he had just this incredible incredible year had so much crops come up and throughout that he had more than he knew what to do with and it was just this absolute surplus abundance of crops so much so that he ended up deciding hmm i need to build myself a bigger barn so i can store this up and the farmer says this is what i'll do i will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there i will store my surplus grain And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That's from Luke 12, 18 through 19. And we hear the person whose heart is coated with greed believes he has earned the good things that have come his way and therefore is determined to control his possessions and wealth the way he sees fit. Greedy people have a supersized sense of ownership. Hmm. And think about that. Like For that, it comes down to... Management versus ownership, I think, is really the key. Recognizing that we don't own anything. Like, when we die, do we take it with us? No, Mm -hmm. we all know we don't. Who gets it? In fact, Jesus, even as part of the parable, he goes on to say, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Jesus closes out the parable saying, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. We don't know when the end of our life is. Yeah. It could be today. It could be 20 years from now. And yet we focus so much and concern ourselves so much with planning and stocking things up when really we're just managers of it. We don't own Mm -hmm. it at the end of the day. And so the more I think we can take that into consideration, how can I be a good steward of what has been put within my control to manage and be responsible with the better when we really feel like this is mine and have the greed around it, that we deserve it and we own it at a really deep level that I think it can get dangerous and be damaging to our own hearts. I totally agree with that. So when you see yourself being generous, Mm -hmm. you and your family, let's say, what does life look like for you? When you know you're living out of generosity, what Mm -hmm. does that look like for you? Oh, I love that question. I would say if I'm being generous, I'm being generous in all things, being generous and patient with my time and people that come across me. So just being able to really take the time to look them in the eye, hear what they have to say, get to know them personally, being generous financially, giving when I don't feel obligated that this is something I have to do, but more so Mm -hmm. I'm doing so out of love and feeling like this isn't mine in the first place. Like, let's just share. I have more than I need let's share with people that could really appreciate this and have a greater impact to them than it may have to me anyway. Those are some things that come to mind. I really like that question, Brent. Thank you for asking that. 
I'm going to think about that throughout this week. Tim Keller, amazing orator, author, right, out of the Redeemer Presbyterian Church that he founded back in New York City. There's a podcast, and he in that podcast, and he this is an original thought to him, but he says, hey, if I want to look to see evidences of someone's generosity, mm-hmm. there's two places I'm going to look. I'm going to look at your checkbook and your calendar. Mm. And he said, if I look at someone's checkbook and calendar, I can know where your heart is. Yeah. Just like Jesus says, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And for me, where I notice I lack in generosity are the times in which I don't have margin. And what I mean by that is like white space. Mm -hmm. So like on my calendar, if I'm jam packed, I'm not saying yes to my neighbor who says, hey, I need a hand with this. Right. Well, one, I might even be there to hear that. The ask, let alone have the time to say, yes, I want to give my time to go help you or just to hear someone's story. And then the other place is if I'm stressed because every dollar's spoken for, Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to be, unfortunately, just the human that flesh in me. I'm not looking to give more. I'm looking to be like, oh, where can I like scale back and take dollars away from? Yeah. And that's been a challenge I've been wrestling with for the last couple of years is how do I unhurry my life? Mm hmm so that I create margin and that's both on the calendar, but also checkbook too. Like where can I just scale back? It reminds me of, do you remember the story of where the Pharisees were challenging Jesus on harvesting on the Sabbath? Yeah. Because he and his disciples were out in, I don't want to say wilderness, but they were traveling and they were harvesting the surplus along the edges of the fields, which uh-huh. the Jewish culture, the Hebrews were called to do. The Israelites were called to leave those open. Similarly for me, where, where's the edges that I'm leaving open? Yeah, that's really good. So Jesus goes on to uncover what fuels all greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And really the solution to greed, ironically, is generosity. And so when we choose to take a step out and be generous, taking that little action, it's just like in business and anything else, action begets action. By taking that step out and being generous, it's amazing to be able to see what happens with that. And that's why I'm so excited about so many of the people that we have scheduled to be able to sit down and talk with and, and hear their firsthand stories of how that has really come to life in today's world, you know, not 2000 mm-hmm. years ago with these stories and parables from the Bible. It's easy to be anxious in today's society, right? Yeah. In a over informed world and there's fear everywhere. The next section after the parable of the rich fool who stores up treasure, Mm -hmm. Jesus then goes right into, and this isn't a break. This is like the next conversation. Do not be anxious, right? Uh, Verse 22. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither reap nor sow, and they have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And so this whole idea that Jesus came for us to have life abundant, like I love you keep talking about that, but I know it's in your heart and you've been wrestling through this. That's why we're on this podcast right now, Yeah. right? So where have you seen God at work in your heart? Where is he chipping away at some of those things? Oh my goodness. I mean, in that verse you just read, over, I would say probably the last three to six months, I feel like I'm telling myself and reminding myself of that on a daily basis of just that simple concept of God takes care of the birds. 
am I not more important than the birds? Like, mm-hmm. Chad, your security is already decided. It's all good. Don't stress. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. That's a big, big thing for me. Just being able to like take a breath, like stop feeling the need to hustle so hard out of fear and scarcity and more so be able to do it in a way of, of love and abundance and being able to serve. Mm -hmm. That's a cool transformation that I would say has really been taking place in my heart recently. Mm -hmm. And I would say there's a constant wrestling on it. I mean, for crying out loud, we're recording this podcast in a boat right now, right? Or happy hour studios. And it's like, (laughs) what luxury do we have here that I'm able to have this boat? Uh, Is that really a necessity? Absolutely not. There's all these things of what is, what is too much for me versus if I'm being real honest with myself, Jesus walked this earth with truly no possessions Mm -hmm. and he calls us to, to follow him. That's just a constant thing of, okay, I've got way, way, way more than I ultimately need just wrestling with that. How can I be as generous and, and do God's work here? Well, I'm encouraged by you. So I'm going to encourage you with how encouraged I am by you, which (laughs) sounds circular and it is, but I see the way that you've operated even in business in a way that's different and not just a marketing gimmick, right? But it's truly comes out of your heart. Like you've got a trailer, right? (laughs) Where you have free access to anybody who's working with you guys or really just knows you and your team to use this trailer to move whatever it is you need to move, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a small little snippet of generosity and the way that that bleeds through everything that you do. So I just want to encourage you. You're way more generous, I'm sure, than you even give yourself credit for. And, you know, the whole reason we're on this podcast, knowing my heart and knowing you too, is we want to get better. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason we're excited about collecting other people's stories isn't just to collect the stories, it's to learn, right? We want to grow. We want to be challenged and to see where's God at work to be inspired, but then to also say, how can I incorporate some of that into my life? Yeah, for sure. It's a hard thing, you know, when you really wrestle with that idea of, we don't need any of this shit. Like, we, <laughs> you know, we, we create yeah. in our minds that we want to create this just super comfortable life. And we justify, like, I'm, I'm doing it for my family. Like, I know my wife and kids would not be happy whatsoever if I was like, hey, kids, Wife, we're selling everything. (laughs) No more boat, no more toys, no more big fancy house or whatever, mountain cabins, you name it. And they'd be devastated. Like, but would they be okay? And would would they still be able to find joy and love and know Jesus? Absolutely. And it's almost like those things can become a distraction to us. I don't mean to like make this whole episode about like you got to sell everything, but I, I am really inspired. I had a great conversation with Kramer Payne. He's going to be coming on the show. One of the things that just was so beautiful is he was planting a church and something he said was, you know, I, I had to ask my wife, I said, would we be willing to sell our house and sell our cars if that's what it took to get through this and like financially be able to, to make this work? And What he said, it was probably one of the most wise, profound things I've ever heard. He said, we both absolutely said, yes, we're all in. If that's what we have to do, we'll do it. And they knew at the end of the day, they weren't risking anything. And I thought, how could you say you're not risking anything when you'd be willing to sell all of your stuff, all of your comforts and your possessions and these conveniences? He said, 
because at the end of the day, we'd have Jesus. And Jesus is ultimately all that matters. It's so true. In contrast, if we have all of the stuff, all of the bigger barn and all of the possessions, and we allow that to clog our spiritual heart mm-hmm. from being able to truly know and experience Jesus in its fullest. Yeah. I just had an epiphany as you're sharing that too. I'm thinking, okay, so as Jesus is talking about giving away your barns or not growing that bigger barn, mm-hmm. generosity is easier done in community. I can see how if you live in isolation where it's on you to have, this is going to be a real basic example, but it's on you to have the lawnmower, the weed eater, the tree pruning, the cars, all of it. Just house maintenance alone, right? Just microcosm. Yeah. If it's on you, it's hard to be generous and you're going to own all those things. You're going to have to now steward all those things. But if I live in community and if I really believe that I am mutually, and I'm open-handed here, right? Mm-hmm. I'm mutually in community with others and we're going to serve each other. It's mm-hmm. like the Acts 2 community at a real far extreme. It's easier to be generous because Jesus gives me the provision, like my certainty is in him. And when you take one, two, 2,000 people who all believe the same thing that, hey, Jesus is my assurance. And because of that, I'm with open hand offering everything else up. Generosity is easy. Yeah. But I was just thinking to myself, like, that's hard if I'm in isolation. And so how do we pull each other? How do I pull my brother, my sister out of isolation to see that world in community that allows us freedom? I was talking to a friend just two days ago, and he shared another story of another friend who recently sold a business. And he got to this place where he was super struggling as a, I wouldn't even say the steward word, yeah, but he had 17 engines that he had Mm -hmm. to maintain. Four cars, jet skis, boat, lawnmower, weed eater. You know, like he added it all up, 17 engines. And he, and he realized there's just a lot of maintenance and it was taking control, all these things in his life, the stuff of yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. In a, you know, a, abundant of stuff, but mm-hmm. it w- wasn't adding joy to him. So as a family, he and his family decided, we're going to sell off a lot of this stuff. Some of it we can borrow, right? Mm-hmm. Because too much stuff, it's bondage. It really is. Yeah. I mean, here we are, two boats, two jet skis, like the whole deal. And then how much time just goes into like maintaining this stuff and being able to go from here to there and it's like 100% first world problems like people are like must be nice right (laughs) Uh, and it is nice it's absolutely nice to have those those luxuries and oftentimes we put too much value on them and attach ourselves to them too much where they they end up controlling us and they Mm -hmm. they hold us back from really being able to experience life in its fullest because life as Jesus says Life is not experienced through an abundance of things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think there's a whole separate episode here. Jesus and short-term rentals. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love what you're saying about community though. That's, that's right on. Uh, I I think of some of our guests and and our co-host, Jeremy Similar, who's not able to be with us today as he's out changing the world. And I just think, you know, he he shares the the biggest gift that he has is friends and Mm -hmm connections. It's so true. We're going to talk to some other people that can really, really speak to that insanely powerful level. Like it all comes down to relationships and community. And if we can put first things first and recognize how important those relationships and being in community as God designed us to be, beautiful Mm -hmm. things happen. 
Yeah. And pressing in on the introspection on the heart, right, is saying, why do I want this thing? Or why am I saying yes to that thing? So are there some takeaways, extra tools that Andy talks about of counteracting greed? It is generosity. And I would really, really recommend pick up the book. Again, it's called Enemies of the Heart by Andy Stanley. He goes in deep, talks about how greed itself is I owe myself, like I owe it to me to have these things. I mean, just think about how ridiculous that is when you think about it. We don't deserve any of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And when we start having that entitled conversation with ourselves of I, I deserve this, I worked hard for this, I think that's where we can get in our own way and that heart blockage take place. Yep. Jesus himself makes this warning, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greeds. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Luke 12, 15. There's a, a saying I've been borrowing uh, as a response when people say, you know, how are you? It's easy to say, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm fine. Right. I'm better than I deserve. Yeah. I love Dave Ramsey always says that. That's right. And yeah, it, you know, not just even from a pithy, you know, I'm better than I deserve, but it's a good reminder yeah. to my heart. I am better than I deserve. Mm-hmm. So I've been using that more. Good. I like it. How are you, Chad? I'm better than I deserve, Brent. (laughs) As always, if you've enjoyed the conversation, subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And if you're willing, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. We want your stories. Do you have one to share or know someone else's that needs to be shared? Leave us a comment below and email us at thegivingexperience.org at gmail.com. And remember, give cheerfully and expect a miracle because one is on the way.